Hey, it's Monique. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 123. (laughs) I don't know why I always trip over what episode it is, but welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you being here with this show. I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. And I also love to bring on guests to talk about overall wellness as well as vegan entrepreneurship because veganism is so much more than food is truly a lifestyle. And so that's what I like to do. Be sure to come follow me on Instagram. I'm at Brown Vegan over there. And you can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com as well. So speaking of like business topics, I have a guest on the show where we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about working with brands mostly. I have Shakela, also known as Sweet Greens Vegan on Instagram on the show. And the first part of the conversation, like the first few minutes, we're going to talk about her vegan journey as far as why she decided to become a vegan. But 99, 99% of this conversation is actually about working with brands and getting sponsorships because I know I get so many questions from people about this, like how does this look? So I wanted Shakela to come on here because she does an amazing job with that, with video content, photography, all of that. And so I wanted her to talk about the process of not only getting the sponsorships, but her workflow as far as taking that concept to actually executing the ideas for the brand. We also chat about what brands are looking for. We get a little bit into the money part of it, but like we both talk about in here, it's kind of hard to say what people should charge. I think the best piece of advice that she gave is just, you know, shoot for the stars and then you can kind of negotiate your way down if need be, you know? So that is, I think, some solid advice. I think that's some solid advice because I think overall that's the process for so many people is just figuring out how to negotiate the best deals and making sure that you're getting your worth when you're working with brands. Shakela is also going to talk about ways to how you should respond to brands when they pitch you. Yeah, I think this was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And I definitely want to do more like this, this behind the scenes of different brands, because I just think it's important to share, you know, knowledge is power. And the more we know about what to look for when we approach brands, the better. So all of the show notes, everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 123. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. Yeah. So I decided to become vegan. It was really just like after like me sitting down, like thinking, okay, you know, how am I eating? Like, do I feel good after I eat, you know, these certain type of foods? Then I also started thinking about like my family and some of the health concerns there. And I really wanted to prevent some, you know, future health concerns. I decided to make this change for myself instead of having a doctor (laughs) tell me that I need to change. And when you think about like a lot of our family members, well, my family members and just people in our community, whenever they do get sick or have major health concerns and have to go to the hospital and to see a doctor, the doctor always says, well, majority of the time they'll say, okay, well, I need you to go on a plant-based diet or I need you to cut back on eating meat and dairy. And so instead of having a doctor kind to tell me those things I wanted to prevent it what kind of work on that on my own mm-hmm. and so that was my early reason as to why I wanted to go vegan and enjoy a more plant-based lifestyle mm-hmm. you always cooking up all the good food too so you I know, know, I know that keeps you going <laughs> I'll be trying. <laughs> nah, girl, you do it. You ain't trying. 
So what are some of your, were, okay, because I know you've been a vegan for about three years now. Yes. And so what yep. were some of the, I guess, the early struggles with starting your journey? Because I, I like to find that out because there's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe somebody listening who is just like, I'm yeah. thinking about it, but uh, I don't know if it's for me. So what, yeah, what are some of the early ones for you? I think, you know, I think a, a struggle that I experience and that I also hear from other people is sometimes they kind of get intimidated. Like, I feel like when it comes to vegan food, people kind of just like view it as like the unicorn almost like, how can I make this taste good? Like, is it really even good? And so you do a lot of like research, but then you kind of get intimidated when it's time to get into the kitchen. But I would say for me, so I went vegan, like actually, you know, started changing the way that I was eating in January and then created my Instagram account in March. And so I said, okay, hey, if you're going to be sharing this, you know, all of these creations, you need to make sure that their food that you would enjoy that other people would enjoy. And so I just really started thinking about like foods that I would eat as a non-vegan and how could I make them vegan? And I would say that that's really what helped me kickstart my journey. Just like thinking about, you know, hey, okay, it's not a unicorn. It's not that hard. How can we make these fruits and vegetables into a delicious meal? Mm-hmm. And I know mushrooms are your favorite. So what yeah. are some of your favorite ways to yes. cook mushrooms? Yeah. So I would say early on, like, again, it was a struggle. I probably like stay with the basic mushrooms. Like I was always sauteing vegetables, maybe making a pizza, kind of tapped into like making curries early on. But then like most recently, like now I, oh my gosh, I love mushrooms. I literally cook with mushrooms at least like once a day. And if you go to my Instagram account or my website, you will see that the recipes and food that I share, like every other post is about mushrooms. <laughs> I love, love, love mushrooms. So yeah, mushrooms will probably be number one for me as far as like my go-to items. Chickpeas, definitely. I love to make a chickpea salad or like a chickpea stew or curry. That's always really good. And then pizza. Oh my gosh, I love pizza so, so much. I make like, I feel like I make one of the best pizzas I've ever had. I just get like a pizza crust, I put pizza sauce. I get some vegan ricotta. I'll do like mushrooms or meat substitute. I'll put some basil on there. I'll put some agave and bacon. It's so good. It's so good. So yeah, those are like my top three for like most, I guess, up to date vegan items that I eat. So I know you recently got married. Congratulations on that. Okay. We were supposed to get married in Mexico back in March, but oh, wow. had to, oh, excuse me, April, but we canceled it in March. And so it was a very, you know, and it was a, a lot of people around the world who were experiencing the exact same thing we were experiencing, but we ended up, you know, we kept saying, okay, well, let's wait it out. You know, everybody thought the pandemic was going to be over. Like, like in a few months. <laughs> Everybody was like, okay, the world is going to open back up in the summer. Like, we'll be good. And so we were kind of like following with that mindset. But, you know, like the months just kept going and going. And it's like, okay, nope, it's not over. And so we just decided to have something very small here in Arkansas, like our immediate family. Like, I think we had like a max of like 11 people and maybe like 12 people, including us, for our big day. So. Yes. And you just had a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of shifts in your life this year because you got a new girl. You got her. Yes. You have my been baby. Your baby. <laughs> you, uh, are now, you, you know, in school. I went back to school. Time. 
Yes. Yeah, you got married. Yeah. You have you're actually growing your brand like as yes. a full time influencer now. I mean, yes, you got a I lot am. going on. It is, and God has been good to me. Listen, He has been so good to me. I can't help but thank Him for you know allow like it's like you said, it's been a lot of change, but um, a lot of good change. And he has been helping me, like, you know, handle it, deal with it as I should, and with grace and with gratitude and gratefulness as well. So a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, such a blessing. Such a, so many good yes. blessings. And that's actually why I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about just like all the behind the scenes of you building your business, yeah. working with brands, social media, just all of that good stuff. So I want to say that I initially came across you when Shauna used to do the Sunday shout outs. Yeah, I think that's how I came across your page. And so that has, I feel like she has helped so many people in that way oh to like gosh. just bring more awareness to yes. brands. Well, not brands, but just other vegan influencers and just vegans overall. Yeah, she does an amazing job, like just helping people who, you know, just need that extra push. Like she's always sharing like motivational stuff, things that will help you grow as an influencer. And then also ways for you to connect with other people in the community. Like I love seeing those Sunday shout outs because I'm like, wow, that food looks so good. Like we as like the black community are out here doing the dang thing. And she really she shows us off and I love it. Yep, yep. Let's start from the beginning. Before you started to do your own thing as far as being an influencer and building your brand, you actually used to work for an, an agency where who actually would reach out to different influencers and pay them to, you know, for sponsor content. So talk about that journey. Like, why did you decide to do that? And how was that experience for you? Yeah. So again, we had moved to Arkansas like late in the fall of last year. And, you know, I was working for a corporate company, Fortune 500 company, and I learned a ton there, but I really wanted to do something that kind of allowed me to tap into like the creative, more creative side of me. Also a job where maybe I'll have like more freedom and authority over my day and like the type of work that I wanted to do. And so as somebody who was at the time, like, consider myself to be like a food blogger, content creator. It was on a much smaller scale, but it was still doing really well. And I really wanted to know, like, how does this, you know, how does this work behind the scenes? Like, how can I learn from a company for my own personal business as well? And so, you know, I found a company here in Arkansas. I started working with them in December and it was a really great experience. I learned a ton. My role there specifically was to like work with like brands So I would like meet with brands to see if they would be interested in running a campaign with us. So, you know, on the front end, that's what I did. But then on the back end, I also got to see, you know, what went into the different influencer campaigns that we ran, you know, like what made an influencer stand out, the type of influencers that we wanted to showcase on on a campaign and things like that. It was really fun. It was interesting as well. Yeah. So what are some of the things that agencies look for when they're seeking influencers? What are some of those things that we should all be aware of? Yeah, I would say the main things to be aware of, like brands are really looking for. And I don't know when I list these, I don't know if there's one over the other. I think it's like an equal, uh, even playing field. They're looking for like the reach. So, you know, similar to like a TV ad, they want to know that, you know, whatever they put out there or whoever they hire to put you know, their brand out there, they can reach as many people as possible. In addition that they can reach the right people. 
And the right people doesn't necessarily mean, you know, hey, only the people who have historically bought our products, but hey, is there a new demographic that we're trying to tap into? And so I would say like the reach is important, engagement rates. So, you know, I think a lot of times we kind of get caught up in, you know, number of followers. And that's not always indicative of your influence or, you know, like people being inspired by the work that you put out there. Like engagement rate really shows that. That means that, you know, the content that you're sharing is being engaged by your followers. And so they want to make sure, you know, like the likes are great, but are people taking action based off of what you share? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, because that action, I think it looked like saves and comments yep. and actually purchasing what they say, you know, what they yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then another thing would be, it's like, okay, so the content that you create, can these brands or with these brands want to reshare it? On their own platforms. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And then also, would it be like an authentic partnership? So it's like, okay, hey, I'm a vegan, a brand like brand A, you know, don't try to work with me if you're a seafood company. You want to make sure that the partnership, whoever you hire to represent your brand is authentic and cohesive. And it's a clear, you know, a strong relationship. Mm-hmm. That makes plenty of sense. Yes. So in your own transition, do you notice that you're getting pitched by brands a lot or are you doing more p- pitching these days? You know, I've been kind of lazy with the pitches only because like <laughs> I've gotten a t- good amount of opportunities through agencies coming to me or brands coming to me. But I imagine that's also because of the holiday season. Like holiday season is always the busiest. I'll probably pick up more of the pitching like early next year. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm reaching out to brands, but there are like a number of books out there that'll help you pitch. I know that there's one that I want to buy by Maddie James. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's like an OG influencer and she has like a, a full book on how to pitch brands. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, not pitch, please. I think it's called, I'll, I'll link it on a blog post, but she does Ooh. have something about pitching brands. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. yeah I know what she's talking about. So what about as far as Cause I kind of like, I want to die behind the scenes. I want to talk about the workflow, money, yeah. everything. So do you really think it matters what platform you on? Does it have to just be Instagram or do you think people should kind of just be a little bit, you know, all over the place? I think it's great to be strong in all areas. I would say like Instagram, it's not going anywhere. Brands are going to want you to post on Instagram. But as a food blogger, what I've seen the most of with the campaigns that you know, I've applied to or been invited to be a part of it's Instagram and blogs. But then, you know, every now and then they'll throw in like a Facebook post, a Twitter post. And then I haven't gotten any TikTok campaigns, but I've seen like a ton of sponsored content on TikTok. So I think it's good to be, you know, have representation across all the platforms. Of course, there'll be some that you're more, you know, you're stronger in. But I think as long as you're represented on those platforms, it's good. Yeah, I know for you, I feel like you are really trying to draw more traffic to your blog and that's where you really want to be. And I think that's smart because you can really package, you can make some good money blogging. um, So Instagram and blogging, I like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the blogs is that's really where a lot of the money is not just from brands, but also from like, you know, like ad services. Like when you plug ads into your blog, when people are, you know, researching different reviews or reading the tips that you have, you have ads in there, you can get paid from that as well. So yes, it's big money in that. The only thing I don't like about it is I hate I think it sometimes it ruins the reader experience when you on a website and it's all ads i'm like oh my god i can't even yeah. get to the damn recipe what is that <laughs> i think there's a there should be a way i know for mine i have like a few ads in there but i've like strategically like some companies allow you kind of you have to allow them like the authority to place it where they think it would be best and then mm-hmm. some companies you can actually go in and embed where you want the ad to appear yeah, I see them. Sometimes I see them after every single paragraph. And I'm like, what <laughs> in the hell? Like, how am I supposed to read this? Let me just get to the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> get to whatever's going on. But yeah. So let's talk about money because you you always yeah. say you're in your bag and you say you're trying to get as much as you as you can. Right. As I Literally. Okay, I get it. So what do you think as far as some suggestions for people as far as what they should charge for working mm-hmm. with different brands? Like, is there any type of rules or anything they should consider? Because I feel like, uh, uh, obviously, for most people, I feel like we undercharge. We don't actually get what we deserve most of the time. So any suggestions for that? I'm trying to think, because I don't think that there's anything really out there that kind of outlines like, hey, you should be charging this. I know the Influencer League, which is actually ran by a Black woman, she has like a master course where she kind of educates people on what they should be charging. And it honestly varies by, you know, your followers as well as your engagement rates. I have to share with you that actual document or she has like a, a like an infographic that she shared across her platform, just like an idea of how much people should be charging. But I'm trying to think if I can what type of guidance I can actually give on like I just say shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon. And if you fall, you land on the stars, honestly, because there have been like so many times where a brand has reached out to me and they're like, hey, we want you to do these 10 deliverables for three hundred dollars. And I'm like. <laughs> Do you know how much goes into this type of work? Like, absolutely no. I'm just saying, like, shoot for the moon. I don't know how to give guidance exactly on that, how much you should be charging. Yeah, you mean as far as a set number? Yeah, 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 because there's not a set number, honestly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think there's a range, I would say, like, yeah, and it's, it's completely different across, you know, each industry. So, like, with food, like, you know, for a post, a simple post, you can charge $2,000 or you can charge upwards of $4,000. Yeah, I would say for me, what I did is I honestly just shot for the moon one day and the brand was like, okay, cool. And I was like, wow, that was easy. Let me do that again. So... And not only that, though, but you can, I think it's also very, depending on the platform, for instance, like podcasting would be different. Video oh, yeah. is different. like that. Video is my premium. Like I charge the yeah. video because it takes yeah. so much effort to do it on YouTube. Right. Then I have somebody help me behind the scenes. It's like so much mm-hmm. more overhead when it comes to video and so much expectation. Unlike podcasting where, I mean, I do like to charge a nice chunk of change for sponsorships on here, but I can, it's also, I feel like there's more wiggle room because I don't really have the same overhead. So it just really depends. And then you said if somebody, for instance, wants $300 and 10 deliverables, they want you to do 10 different things with that, then you can always, you know, negotiate that down and say, okay, I can do these two things for $300 or 
or maybe one thing. I wouldn't even probably do two things for 300, but you know what I mean? Like, right, right. So much room. And that's why it's so hard to give numbers. I understand mm-hmm. why you don't really know what to say for that because it's just really, it's so many variables. Yeah. And I think it's like once you, you know, find like that sweet spot of where, and also like when you, I guess let me back up a little bit. There are a number of influence, a number of influencer platforms out there where you can actually go and apply for different campaigns. And then, you know, those agencies behind the scenes will then go through all of those applications and say, you know, like, yes, no, yes, no. But more often than not, they'll have how much, you know, the compensation for that campaign. And so that might honestly be another good spot to kind of start it. So, you know, you review those different campaigns that are out there, look at how much these agencies are paying and say, okay, well, if the agency is going to pay me this much, they clearly are taking a portion of it for, you know, their own internal costs. Okay, so let me add a little cushion to that. And these can be my possible rates. Absolutely. Yeah, because I work with an agency for my podcast a lot. And based on what they they pay me, I know that they're probably getting way more than that. And so when I work directly with brands, I ask for more money or I have my influencer manager ask for more money because <laughs> I'm like, no, I know I know what this number really looks like because I can just put like a, you know, 20% on it. I'm like, okay, I know <laughs> that I could get more than that. So that's a very, very good point. Let's talk about like when you actually get the brand deals and you're working with them. Let's talk about like as far as your workflow, because I feel like your content is so good. It always feels very, yeah, absolutely. It always feels very authentic. It flows with your brand to me. Like I never feel like some people that I follow, I can, I love, and I'm really working on this for myself. I love that when they do sponsor content, it doesn't feel like it's out of their element. Cause sometimes you, I know, you know what I'm talking about. I can't explain it. Like I can't articulate exactly, but it's I like, know. okay, you force this one. Like, can you, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you can follow somebody and it just feels like it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't feel as cohesive. As far yeah. as, or it's also like, like, it's also like, okay, well they're cooking something that they normally would never cook, you know? And I think it's fine to step outside of your comfort zone. Sure. But you also, you know, like your community is there to support you. They're there because you share valuable information. And to your point, when you look at somebody's sponsored post or like the content on their page, like you can easily identify like, okay, this really isn't authentic. They're, they're not really being true to themselves at the company I worked at their whole thing was, okay, we want to ensure that it's authentic storytelling. We want to ensure that the influencers we hire, you know, whatever content they create is authentic to themselves. The captions are authentic. You don't want it to be, you know, as if like this company just gave you the verbiage and you just copy and paste it. It's Monique hopping in to thank Forger Project for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. So like I told you last week, Forger is one of my favorite brands when it comes to dairy-free products. They make delicious yogurts and milks and sour creams and buttery spreads. They make it so easy for you to replace the dairy in your diet as you're transitioning to a vegan lifestyle, or you know that dairy is not good for you, so you're just looking for better alternatives. And so that's what they do. Forger is a family-owned and operated business. All of their products are 100% organic, dairy-free, of course, and they use one of my favorite ingredients, which is cashews, as the base of their products. Cashews are just, in my opinion, perfect when it comes to dairy-free products because they're creamy, they're delicious, they just make life so much easier. 
The other day, I tried Forager's sour cream for the first time. I used it on a bean and rice burrito with some fresh cilantro and salsa, and it was it was really delicious. It had the same tart flavor that we know from sour cream, but it didn't have a million ingredients, which is, I know, so important for so many of us. And I feel like that's the, the theme for all of their products. They don't have a million ingredients, and typically we can pronounce everything that is on their label, which is always a good thing. So as a listener to the Brown Vegan Podcast, Forager is offering a limited time coupon for you to get a free cup of yogurt. All you have to do is go to foragerproject.com slash cultivate health. And while you're there, you can go ahead and put your email in there. They'll send over a coupon for your free yogurt. And they have hundreds of delicious and easy to follow dairy-free recipes on their website too. So once again, it is foragerproject.com slash cultivate health. And once you get your free cup of yogurt, be sure to tag me on Instagram and let me know what you think. Agencies and brands are finally getting that because I know a few years ago, I felt like they wanted you to do everything exactly the way that they wanted to. And that's why I didn't do a lot of sponsored content back in the day because I used to hate yeah. that. I'm like, this is not yeah. even, I don't even talk like this. <laughs> this right, is definitely right. feel like me. But I feel like now they understand finally that, okay, let me do me. I'm going to give you a little mm-hmm. bit of a guideline of what we're looking for, but just let exactly. me know. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a very, very good point. I'm glad that it's getting better with that. Once they come to you, they say with the concept, or maybe you go to them with the concept, but most likely mm-hmm. like you said, they're coming to you with a concept. What does your workflow look like? What are you doing as far as getting the video content done? Like, are you, or do you already have an idea of what the recipe is? Like, uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah, it's not like, like, okay, so I'm trying to get a lot better at this, like, <laughs> I will have content due on a Wednesday and I will work on it on a Tuesday. Like I have to do better in that aspect, but for the campaigns that I really do plan out, you know, I will look and see, okay, if I want to make, I don't know, a fried mushroom sandwich. Okay. How can I put the sandwich together? Just like in my head, how can I put the sandwich together to look the most appealing to my audience? Okay, what props or added, you know, details do I need to have in the photo to make it look appealing? And so honestly, sometimes I'll run to the store and buy like little props for my photos. And then, you know, I start to develop. I'll have the, of course, already have the idea in my head, start to cook it, take, oh my gosh, my phone, my phone album, my photograph album is like a mess because I take like 10,000 photos of the exact (laughs) thing. (laughs) yes yes so it's a lot of like taking photos to get the perfect shot and I'm just doing all you know everything that I share like I'm doing with my iPhone so wow that's awesome that's good to know yeah yeah I'm doing it all with my iPhone because I've also realized like I do want to get a lot better with my food photography and we have a professional camera but I just think my aesthetic like I want I don't want it to be too perfect because food really isn't perfect, especially when the average person is cooking it at home. Like you want it to appear approachable. Love so it. I also keep that in the back of my mind whenever I am creating content as well. Mm, that's a very good point. And you kind of got me thinking about as far as what brands look for. I think that there's this, I guess, is a myth in a way that brands want you to have things that are perfect and like yeah. magazine ready. But 
I always talk to one of my friends about this, about how that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel approachable. It's right. actually more intimidating for people who are trying to cook, yeah. who don't really cook that much. And they see you do this and they're like, oh, I don't even know if this yeah. is for me because it doesn't relate to them. So I think that's a very, very good point. Do you think that brands and agencies are really looking for that perfect or are they really at this point or just want something that's authentic? I would say that it's a, a mix of both. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but, but it, it needs to, yeah, it needs to be clean. It needs to be neat. And like I said earlier, it needs to be a photograph or content that they would reshare and that fits within their aesthetic to a certain extent. But yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. It needs to be authentic. Like if I, you know, for a campaign, if I were to go to a, a, a studio and set up my food and it looks all like glitz and glamour, like, that just doesn't fit within my aesthetic at all. Mm, it doesn't fit with me either. Yeah. Exactly. But I- <laughs> it's just not me. And it's not what I'm doing. It's not how my food looks on a day to day. And I also have to know my audience too. So my audience is, a, you know, it's not a lot of people who are vegan. Like a lot of people who follow me are people who are interested in the lifestyle or may participate, may participate in Meatless Monday every now and then. Like it's not people who you know, are always cooking vegan food. So you kind of have to like make sure it's approachable for them as well. Yep. So much of a good point. So do you usually work with natural light or do you have artificial lights? Yeah. So I try to work with natural light as often as possible. (laughs) We actually, in our, so in our home, we have like very dim lights. And so, because of course I'm always in the kitchen doing a lot of my photography as well. We actually changed out our kitchen lights just so I can have better food photos and lighting in the event I need to cook later in the day. But I would say natural light like is my go-to, but then if I have to create something in artificial light, then I would. Wait, tell me about the lights that you're switching out. Because I was actually thinking about this the other day and I actually did a little bit of research and I couldn't figure out what lights people are using. And I feel like a lot of the YouTubers are using a certain bulb in their kitchens and bathrooms and stuff. And I'm like, what the heck are they using? So what did you get? Do you remember offhand? I don't, but we honestly, we just got like the almost the brightest lights we could find at mm-hmm. the hardware store. Got it. <laughs> like Sounds the brightest right. lights. Yeah. I'm thinking okay. about buying like an artificial light from Amazon. Because I'm not, you know, I feel like with the sun nowadays, like you just never know when that thing is going to, you're not going to get the good lighting. So I am thinking about buying artificial light as well. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a plan. Oh, that's what I want to talk about too. As far as content, video content, do you notice that you're able to charge more when you work with brands, when you are doing a a reel for them, or if you're doing, you know, just like a standard video in the, the actual feed for a brand, are you able to get more money for that? Absolutely. Because videos take a lot, you know, like you have to ensure like every frame is perfect. Like you do videos, like, you know, like you should be taxing and then taxing the tax for the videos. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. I know. It's video. Video is crazy though. Like I told you, that's like, I think we talked about this before. That's like my premium. If I do video, Mm -hmm. I'm charging a lot for it. Cause, and it's so funny cause Shauna was telling me the other day that I need to take a lot of like my YouTube, my old YouTube videos and turn those into reels. Like, you know, yeah. she's like, oh, it should be easy for you to do that. I'm like, girl, it, 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 in theory, it is easy. But you know how long it takes me to take that, like that six minute video and narrow that down to 30 seconds. <laughs> it's yeah, like that is a whole process, you know, but she's right. I'm going to start doing that because it's all about repurposing your content so that yeah. you don't burn out. Yeah. And like, I'm, I actually, so I have a TikTok account, but I'm not super active, but I'm like, 
every now and then I get on there and I'll post content. But now that, you know, Instagram has this huge push towards video content and utilizing the reels option on your account. Like, of course, I've shared a lot of reels on Instagram, but now I'm able to take those reels and put them within TikTok. So that's been extremely helpful. Just like, you know, utilizing content across it is. Yeah. So, but I know it's valuable though, for sure. Like top of the brown, like, legit blew up from TikTok. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she, oh my gosh. Tabitha's journey and just like seeing her, you know, from the original TTLA video, the sandwich, the whole food sandwich video to like where she is now and the entire time. Like we've talked about this throughout the podcast, like just being authentic, like brands want you to be authentic. And she is where she is because of who she is. And she ensures that every day that she shows up, like she's authentic in just being herself. Yes. And she's a great storyteller. I was just thinking this the other day, like she did a sponsorship for Target and Mm -hmm. the whole time it it was probably like a three or four minute video, but the whole time it didn't even feel like it was a sponsorship. And then she just said something. I was like, oh yeah, this is sponsored. Damn, that was good. I was like, like, that's the kind of level of storytelling that I want to get at. And the only way and what I realized in that moment, I was like, well, the reason she was able to get to here is because she did so much free to figure out what what works for her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she spent so much time cultivating that. And that's why now it's so easy for her to just do a sponsor content. And it's just a part of her story, you know? So yeah. it really, it takes a lot more effort. It's like a lot. It doesn't, it looks easier. It looks easy, but I know that's not easy. It really isn't when you really try Absolutely. to figure that out as far as the storytelling, but yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the process of, I think this will be something that will be really helpful, especially for people who are just getting started and they're not really sure as far as not only what to charge, but what they should say to a brand when they pop in their email. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about that part of it. I feel like a lot of people have this, because I get DMs all the time for people and I know you'd get this too. When people are saying, okay, this brand reached out to me, but I know they only want me to do something for free. How do I turn this into pay? Because I mm-hmm. sometimes I just be like the audacity. Like, why are you in my email? Right. <laughs> we want the whole world. But you're like, oh, by the way, I don't have a budget. Well, what do you want from me? <laughs> like, you want right. all this and no budget. So what, what's your approach to that? It's, 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 I know it's so easy to make decisions when it's a brand that you already know and love. But if a brand pops up in your email, even if it's one that you don't know and love, how do you approach that? Like, what are some of the first steps that you take when you are interested in working in a brand that emails you? Yeah. So I would say what I, so like through research, I found that it was standard to have a media kit and a rate sheet. So I developed both of those. So like my media kit has like a a small paragraph about me. It has a picture of me, some of the brands that I've worked with, and then also like the metrics that my, how my account performs. So it's like, okay, you know, what's my engagement rate? How many followers? And like, what's my reach? What's my demographic? So like, you know, how many men follow me? How many women follow me? What's the age range? Just so when a brand reaches out or I reach out to a brand, they have an idea of who they're able to get access to through my account. So I ensure that I have that. And then I have a rate sheet, which kind of breaks down all the services that I could or content that I could develop for them. And then I include what my rate is there. But when a brand reaches out to me and let's say like they don't mention anything about budget and maybe it's a product that I think I would really like, or maybe I've already tried it, but 
I haven't like promoted it at all. I would say, you know, like, hey, thanks so much for reaching out and for the kind words. This sounds like an opportunity that'll be right in line with my profile and the type of content that I produce. Attached is a copy of my media kit and my rate sheet if you would like to discuss a more formal collaboration. Like whenever a brand reaches out to me and they're like they don't mention budget, I'm gonna mention it for you and let you know that (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like you have to pay me for this. Like, I'm not going to do this work for free. And I would say that that's early on when I developed my media kit. Of course, it wasn't a lot of brands that I worked with. So instead of saying, okay, you know, here are the brands that I've worked with in the past. It's here's how, like, here's proof that when I put information out there or put a product out there that people take action by it. So I like screenshotted some of the comments where people was like, oh my gosh, I saw this at the store and I was thinking about getting it. Thanks for sharing. Like I would screenshot comments like that to show that people are, you know, looking to me for inspiration and for recommendations and reviews. So I would say that, that, you know, early on, like try to make sure that you have the media kit in the right sheet. But when you are pitching brands, like, you know, kind of keep it short and sweet and include that media kit and rate sheet. Say, you, you know, your name, you know, the category that you fall within. So I would say like, hi, my name is Shakayla Houston. Well, actually, it's not Shakayla Houston anymore. Shakayla Scott. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> it's so weird. It's still so weird to say. <laughs> but I would say like, hey, my name is Shakayla Scott. Like, I'm a vegan food influencer. And I would say like my motto, which is, you know, my goal, I'm not here to convert people, but to make Meatless Mondays more fun. I think a partnership between our two companies would be amazing. I really like your X product. So I kind of try to keep it very authentic, like showing them that, hey, I know what your product is. I like your product, personable. So I call out their product, their brand, tell them what I like about it and let them know that I think a partnership between our two companies would be a natural fit for my, my accounts. And I would say like attached is my media kit and rate sheet for your review, or I would just attach my media kit and then send over my rate sheet if they respond. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. I love it. I love all of this. I really do. So I always like to have people follow like the last before we wrap up, I like to have people just talk about, I guess, any additional tips or like last minute tips they want to share. I don't know if you want to talk about how to go vegan. I don't know. You want to talk about brand deals. Instagram growth, whatever you want to talk about, because yeah. I feel like you can go in any direction. Before we wrap up, share any last minute tidbits that you want to give us. Yeah, I would just say, like, I know it's so easy. Like, I just feel like social media, it's it's just a whirlwind right now. And it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers. It's extremely easy to get caught up in what other people's accounts look like compared to your account. But I would say, you know, if you are on this journey of, you know, sharing food or sharing beauty or sharing fashion, regardless of how many followers you have, like continue to create, continue to put yourself out there. Like even if it's one or two comments on your post, like you're inspiring somebody and those are still accounts that brands want to partner with. They still want, you know, like the the smaller influencers who have, you know, a thousand to 5,000 followers, you know, don't be hesitant and don't be afraid to put yourself out there just do it and do it well. Yes. So, Shakayla, tell us before we wrap up how we can follow you and tell us about your website, too. Yes. So you can find me on 
Facebook, on TikTok, and on Instagram at Sweet Greens Vegan. My website is sweetgreensvegan.com. On my website, I have several recipes, well, a ton of recipes that I have on my Instagram account. In addition, you can find some of my favorite swaps. So if you are interested in going vegan plant-based and looking for some vegan products to try, I have a full list on there of some of my favorites. In addition, on my website, I do like restaurant reviews. So if you're hopefully not traveling too much, but depending on where you live right now, if you are needing to find a good vegan restaurant, more than likely I have that city and state on my website. So you can check that out. And then lastly, I do have a digital cookbook that I'm selling through my website, only $10. And it has some amazing holiday recipes in there as well that you can really eat year round. Yes. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for dropping all the gems to help people get to the bag. (laughs) As you told me, next year, you're going to get all of them. You're collecting all of the money. (laughs) listen, because there's money to be made and these brands have money. So everybody needs to go and try to find it. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.